SRN Survival Radio Network. cafe with a home-like appeal where all who enter feel like they are part of something? Visit My Coffee Shop, located in East Lake, Atlanta, Georgia. MCS has a full breakfast and lunch menu, offering both hot and cold options, and is home of the amazing basil lemonade. But don't forget their assortment of freshly brewed coffees. 
Come on by at 2462 Memorial Drive, Atlanta, Georgia, 30317. We're pretty sure my coffee shop at East Lake will become your coffee shop, too. iDope, iDope, globally inspired vision stylewear. A fusion of classic heritage and contemporary sophistication. An essential part of your lifestyle and fashion expression. iDope, iDope, vision stylewear for the fashion forward and socially conscious. Let's make this a dope world together. iDope, iDope, available online at iDope.com. That's E-Y-E-D-O-P-E, iDope.com. Survival Radio Network, with now more than one million downloads. Congratulations to the staff, producers, engineers, and hosts for your tireless pursuit of excellence. And thank you, our loyal listeners, for supporting this movement to inspire, motivate, and educate people worldwide. Survival Radio Network, Survival Radio Christian Network, and our new Survival Sports Radio Network broadcast top-notch shows Sunday through Saturday. Check us out by visiting our website at www.survivalradionetwork.us. SRN, we do radio one million strong. The S-R-N. Welcome back. Welcome back. It is simply splendid to have you listening to us today. You are listening to the Weekly Wellness Show, your resource for better health on the Survival Radio Network. I am your host. Dr. Aaron Williams. Now, today we're talking about mental health. In our first segment, I've asked Coach Bruce Hinkson as well as Jesse Hunter to join us to talk about the benefits of fitness and exercise involving mental health. Now, most of you are familiar with Coach Bruce. He's the owner of Orange Fitness Theory in Barbersville, West Virginia, but you're not familiar with Ms. Jesse Hunter. She is, she has a master's degree in psychology. Uh, she is a psychological trainee with Marshall University's clinical psychology doctoral program. So she's going to be talking to us along with Coach Bruce about this nice hot topic, which I think is going to be beneficial to everyone. So Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, let's welcome to the show Mrs. Jesse Hunter as well as Coach Bruce. Thank you, sir. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. Well, hello, both of you. Uh, we are so glad that you're able to carve out some time. I know you're. I know what you're doing, Coach Bruce. You are at probably Orange Theory Fitness, getting a good bit of the world in shape. Is that all right today? Yes, uh, actually you hear some noise in the background. I have Huntington Prep here. They're getting ready to run through a workout. You know, these guys are some top athletes. They usually go to uh, college and run into the pros. So I have the pleasure of coaching them through. You hear the young kids in the background making all that noise. So if I hear you, if you're hearing noise, I apologize. That's a beautiful thing. We got young kids interested in fitness at an early age. Simply marvelous. Well, we want to tackle this subject because 20% of Americans – you know, have some type of mental health issue. And I wanted to, I guess, first get into the psychology of this. And, uh, you know, I guess, uh, I guess Jesse will, uh, will probably start us off with that. Is that right? Yes, sir. Yeah, so what, you know, there's a lot of stigma going on with mental illness. Um, what's your perspective on that and how, how should one handle it, you know, if, if you are the one affected by it, but also – you know, if someone you know in your family or friend uh, relationship uh, has mental illness. Yeah, I think exactly what you said is something that most people can relate to. We all know somebody who is affected by mental illness. Um, depression is one of the most common mental disorders in the U.S., and mm. it's just it's, it really goes across the board. So, But what you can yeah. do with the stigma is instead of looking at people who have, you know, mental health concerns as incompetent or irrational or things like that, which we tend to do, um, you can look at it in a more generalizable way. Like, well, obviously there's something going on, so talking about it can help. Um, But today I think that one of the things, especially with Bruce, 
that we wanted to talk about with how exercise can kind of affect mm-hmm. it in, you know, in a really positive way. Right. Right, because I guess it's kind of like a psychosomatic thing, um, and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of times it's, it's what, you know, our body, it's, it's all one unit, and so, you know, you got your mental, physical, and spiritual or whatever, but all of this kind of works together, uh, so I guess you, from, you know, from a psycho- psychology standpoint, can help us understand that. Uh, I think there are certain hypotheses and theories that, that back this up. Yeah, exactly, and it does. When you have things going on, you know, mentally, when your brain isn't producing certain neurotransmitters, it's going to affect you physically. So you're going to feel sad, anxious, hopeless, you know, like you're worthless. Um, There's going to be a lot of decreased energy, or you're going to be fatigued all the time. Um, You're going to have weight changes, loss of appetite, or you're eating all the time, you know, so difficulty sleeping. So those are just some of the symptoms um, that you can kind of – have to deal with when you're dealing with depression. But there are a few different hypotheses about, you know, exercise. And one of them states that exercise increases self-efficacy. So a lot of the times when people who are depressed um, have felt that way for a really long time, they feel like they're not able to complete tasks, like they're not able to get anything done, like they don't have the necessary skills to do so. Um, So that's one thing. Exercise can actually increase your self-confidence and your self-efficacy. Another one is uh, the monoamine hypothesis, which basically states that exercise leads to an increase in the availability of the brain neurotransmitters like serotonin, dopamine, norepinephrine. Um, And these are diminished with depression. So essentially it states that exercising can release the neurotransmitters that the brain does not normally produce on its own in depressed individuals. So that's that's a really big one. Um, Another one, the distraction physical activity serves as a distraction, okay? So you're mm-hmm. going to go out, and instead of focusing on worrying and having depressing thoughts, you're going to become a little bit more active, and you can focus on your body, what your body is doing, things like that, and that can help increase mood. Um, and then there's another one. Um, it's a thermogenic hypothesis, and it states that a rise in your core body temperature following exercise because you're going to get warm, you know? Um, right. It activates you know, it increases temperature in uh, specific regions of the brain, like the brainstem, and that can lead mm-hmm. to an overall feeling of relaxation and reduction in muscular tension, things like that. So um, having said that, I think that you have quite a few different, you know, aspects that you could go into when you're talking about depression and exercise. So, mm-hmm. Right. And, of course, there's different stages, mild, moderate, and severe, uh, and I guess – yeah. You know, once again, I tell people the Weekly Wellness Show is all about information. We're not here to tell you. We're not here to be your doctor, uh, but we right. want you to have this information and talk to your doctor. So this is not for, you know, diagnosis and treatment, that kind of thing. But we want you to be, we want the, the public to be informed about this. And so um, so, so how does fitness improve? Uh, what, what's the data on fitness improving depression? Well, uh, basically, fitness and depression, as you were saying, you know, it approximately uh, affects about 17 to 20 percent of the population, and roughly 9.5 percent of the U.S. population uh, each year. So, what we found, or studies have shown, that you know, with fitness, um, you know, it just uh, the exercise is effective as medication in treating mild to moderate uh-huh. depression and the uh, sustaining the effects. So, you know, like just getting out and running. Uh, lifting weights, there is no difference really between the two. It's all just focusing on the frequency rather than the intensity um, in just the beginning. So like I was uh-huh. saying, whether you run, bike, you know, you could go hiking, anything like that, or you're just uh, an avid lifter, you just want to, you know, uh, go and pick up some weights in the gym, it doesn't really show much of a difference there. Right. That is excellent. I mean, it's just something simple that one could do. Like you said, it's not necessarily the intensity, but the frequency. So uh, getting out uh, as frequently as you can and doing some type of exercise is is, is very important. I guess this also backs up what uh, Jesse was saying, that when you do this, you, you, you enhance or increase those neurotransmitters, that some of the drugs are actually designed to actually – augment or change but with exercise you're doing it yourself yeah pretty much you know it's just the uh the, really the behavior activation of everything you can walk around the block 20 30 minutes three to four times a, a week and uh right. it'll show this sort of uh, effectiveness 
with medication, you okay. know, and, and reduce the depression states. And even with the nutrition. Okay, so now this is, is there, is there a difference between this, like whether you should do, whether it's worth it versus aerobic versus non-aerobic exercise? Uh, is there a preference? No, there is really no uh, difference shown between the two anaerobic or uh, aerobic exercises. You know, it's just really getting started, to be honest. It's just the uh, activation of everything. Okay, okay. Uh, well, as a fitness expert, do you recommend any specific regimen uh, for someone with, in this condition? I mean, you just get up and get started. You know, even walking around the block, yeah. you go to your park, uh, biking, uh, running is something that I enjoy. You know, Orange Theory Fitness, as you know, I've got to throw that out there because it gives you the best. <laughs> I'm not mad at you. <laughs> <laughs> it gives you the best of both worlds, you know. Um, you know, with, with Orange Theory, uh, we already get past the uh, the pre-contemplation stage here. So, you know, people are thinking about it and you know, depression or whatever state you're in. Uh, mental state you're in, this is where we get past that pre-contemplation stage and get you started into a regimen, whether it be a power walker, jogger, runner. You know, we're giving you the best of both worlds where it is the aerobic, anaerobic uh, states of exercise. And the activation is actually the hardest part. So Uh you need that good support system behind you, especially if it's something that you don't feel like doing on your own. You know, having a support system expression is huge. Excellent, and this goes back to I guess when we when we were at Orange Theory Fitness, the benefit of group fitness. So you're right, Jesse. This is a scenario where you're not alone because it's hard sometimes to motivate. Uh, it's hard even with someone without mental health issues. But you put that on top, it it, it may take a little bit more discipline if you don't have the support, uh, you know, normally. So. Well, great. Uh, I think uh, this is a very important scenario here. And, uh, Jess, do you have any closing comments? Uh, no, really, that was just it. And if you That have, was it. Great. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, Coach Bruce, we thank you for joining us. Uh, hey, how can we reach uh, – how can we stay in touch with Orange uh, Theory Fitness? All right. Once again, it's uh, – we our phone number is 304-21-1500. Our website is orangetheoryfitness.com. We are located right here in Barbersville in the uh, Target Plaza at 3034 Champion Drive. Uh, so we're a couple doors down from from Bellatino's, which is a pizza joint. I think that was set up on purpose. <laughs> <you know? laughs> hey, so let me ask you this. If I come to Orange Theory Fitness, can I go to a pizza joint for for, for, for a break? For, for a salad. For a salad. We'll, we'll oh, okay. For a salad. All right. For a yeah. salad. Okay. All right. All right. I can't get the meat lovers. Okay. I got you. No, All right. no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Hey, well, thanks a lot, both of you, for sharing that information. So, uh, and we hope to have you uh, back, uh, both back at some point with regard to some more health and fitness tips. So we thank you for carving out some time, and we'll let you get back to the kids and help keep America healthy. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right. So with that, we'll go to our second commercial break. So, ladies and gentlemen, please stay tuned and be informed. Do you want to take your business to the next level? Ultimate Business Solutions provides the support you need to increase your customer base and sell more products and services online. Specializing in graphic arts, web development, and internet marketing, Ultimate Business Solutions creates the face of your business. If you're looking for a custom logo, dynamic website, or popping marketing material, call Ultimate Business Solutions today at 404-704-2197 or visit www.ultimatebizsolutions.com. Ultimate Business Solutions. Let us create your future. College is important, but it can also be expensive. College Planning Services is a group of educators, administrators, counselors, and other licensed professionals that work together to provide the necessary services, networks, and information to reach students that are serious about getting a college education. 
College Planning Services partners with financial institutions, corporate sponsors, and other major players in the global market to strategize in building a pool of information regarding financial aid, scholarships, and funding information to assist students in preparing to access the essential resources to build upon their path to an educational future. Learn more at collegeplanningtoday.com and let us help you start your college career. Acute to severe, but the bottom line is 
as long as you're getting treatment for it and you're able to handle it, then you can enter into any type of relationship in a healthy manner. You know, the last time I was on the show, we talked about toxic relationships. Yes. And a lot of Mm -hmm. toxic relationships are based on people having mental health issues who are not being treated appropriately for them or they're not seeking seeking treatment or they're just not educated on it. One or both parties are not educated on it. So that's kind of the big thing when it comes to the stigma with mental health and people having – pause when it comes to dating and mental health, both the person with the mental health issue and the person who's in the relationship with the person with the mental health issue. Everybody's kind of hesitant, but a lot of times it's just due to lack of education or not having the information or not having the appropriate treatment for it. So those are some of the stigmas and the myths I want to attack today, you know, because it's it's not necessary. (laughs) Right, right. You know, everybody, there's somebody for everybody, and that that goes across the board. Right, and and that goes, I think, uh, just say we take out the people that, that don't have a mental health issue, even those relationships are not necessarily successful. I mean, you know, the divorce rate here in America, I, last time I checked was in the 40, 40%, something where along in there. And I'm quite sure those include some people with some type of mental health issue. But, you know, you know, so even even without that, you're going to have an issue. So I guess one of the first things that one could take away from this conversation today is you're not alone. It that happens. Life happens. And, you know, it happens to the, to the best of us. But we want to today give more tools to help help out with that. So what a what a okay, let's start with um uh you know let's start with the person the who myth? has it. I mean the myth. Yeah, let's start with the myth about you know, this whole scenario with mental health issues. Right. And I will I will venture to say <laughs> this is mm. not backed by any type of research. I will venture to say most of the people who have the myth are people who are not being treated or were not educated. <laughs> <laughs> it comes right, up right. with some of these statements I'm about to make. So, for example, you know, um, a lot of people think that it's a bad idea to date someone with mental health issues. It's, it's not mm-hmm. bad. It's just different. You said it um, earlier when you were saying it's hard enough being in a relationship when you don't have a mental health issue. But when you add a mental health issue, it does give you um, certain obstacles up front that you know that you're going to have to deal with. Um, the good thing is at least you know what you're dealing with up front. Some people get in relationships and don't find out things so much mm, later. Right. And, you know, you have to deal with it on the tail end. Um, but, it's, again, it's not something that's bad. It's just different. Uh, most people associate mental illness with instability. One of the biggest misconceptions ever. It doesn't mean that a person can't hold a job or they right. can't take care of their hygiene or that they're automatically violent. Um, I hear that a lot. Like, you know, people associate that, you know, mental illness with violence or right. <clears throat> that they have some type of, um, is due to, most, most people think mental illness is due to a personality weakness or a character flaw. Huge misconception. Mm. You know, it's not necessarily something that someone can just snap out of it by trying harder. You know, again, as we spoke on it earlier, similar to a medical condition, you know, people could just snap out of cancer, they would do it. Um, there are right, people who right, are depressed right. or have anxiety that truly, if they could snap out of it by simply trying harder, they would do so. But that's not the case. It's a disorder similar mm. to a disease. You have to be educated about it. You have to seek treatment for it. Um, some people have to take medication for it. So you have to learn how to manage it. So it it doesn't, you know, come by way of just, oh, I'm going to try harder today. It's not that simple. Um, there's also the myth that, you know, there's no hope or recovery. That is incorrect right. as well. There are some mental illnesses that do have recovery because they may be acute or short term. Uh, some of the longer terms, yeah, there may not be a quote-unquote 
total freedom. Like, um, mm-hmm. for example, like you have a cold and then you get over a cold. Well, someone may have um, depression, you know, a more severe case of depression, meaning that is not necessarily something that's going to go away anytime soon or at any point, any point, but that doesn't mean you can't manage it. Substance um, right. use disorders are some ones that we tend to um, associate with. You're a recovering addict. You're, they will teach you that you're going to be remain an addict because you have that predisposition or tendency to addiction, but you're in recovery, meaning it's not active. So I like to look at it as, okay, I'm stubborn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I might not be right. stubborn all the time, but I still I know that I have a predisposition to being stubborn, and certain things might trigger me to be stubborn, but that doesn't right. always mean I'm going to act on it. You know, so when you put it, Kelly, in those type of layman's yeah. terms, it it makes it a little more feasible or tangible to deal with. Um, you also have that myth of, well. I can't do anything with someone who has a mental health issue. Well, that's not true because, you know, friends and family and a support system are very vital to a person who has mental illness, and it can make a difference. Um, It's not to be a crutch, but it doesn't mean you don't have anything to offer to someone who has a mental illness. And, um, Last but not least, some people feel like, oh, well, if I get in a relationship with someone who has a mental illness, that means I have to fix them. No, no, it doesn't. And we'll get into that in a little more detail in a minute, but it doesn't mean you have to fix someone. So these are just some of the myths or some of the go-tos that people have when they first hear of, oh, I could potentially be dating someone with a mental illness, and it's all this doom and despair when you don't even have the right information yet to make a decision about it, you know? Right, right. Yeah, you're right. I mean, um, I guess when all those fails, you get understanding, and there's a reason behind everything. But I like the way you put it. Uh, All of us have uh, some attributes to our personality, uh, whether it is uh, stubbornness, whether it's being impatient, uh, whether it's being whatever. And uh, we all somehow know those, and we hopefully have identified some of those triggers. So if we kind of put that someone in the same category as this, uh, you know, we we, we kind of help understand uh, this scenario and help us to, to deal with it. So, um, well, what about, let's say, the person who, who has the illness? Um, when should they, well, hopefully they've gotten help or are getting help, but should they, you know, I guess they should. Um, I guess I'm about to answer my own question, but when should they share this information or, or, or should they and how? Right. So we're totally basing this conversation on the person who understands their condition and if they need treatment are seeking that treatment. If they need medication, they are properly taking their medication, et cetera. So we're basing this on the person that has, you know, all the um, things in place to, you know, be in a stable condition for dating. So let's be very clear about that. Um, right. So when you're talking about the do's and don'ts when sharing the information, if you're the person with the mental illness, you know, there's because there's so much stigma, it brings a lot of pause and a lot of fear to the person with the mental health condition. And that's normal. So I, let me just reiterate that. That is very normal. We have problems in regular relationships sharing regular information. So, of course, right. when automatically <laughs> talking about a mental health condition, it's almost like, okay, I'm going to give you this loan, right? But right. let me tell you all the things that could go wrong with this loan. Right. Like, I'm giving you the loan. The money is yours. Right. But let me tell you everything right. that could cause you to lose all this money or <laughs> for this money not right. to be available for you. So there's a little bit of anxiety that comes with that. 
However, I want to flip that and get into the what I said earlier. We go into relationships not knowing a lot of things. There are people who have been married years that are just finding yeah. out things about their spouses or people who have been in relationships for years and they're just finding out things about their spouses. This is something that you have information about up front and probably already have some things in place to help resolve this issue. So I'm a proponent of, no, you don't have to blow, blow, excuse me, blurt it out on the first date. Right, but yeah, yeah, point, that might not be a good idea. <laughs> yeah, no, let's not get into a frenzy yeah. on the first date. Let's make sure we like each other first. Right, right. And then if we start moving in a path that's becoming a little more serious, then you want to have that conversation. And that's for that person to decide. I always say do it sooner than later, though, because what you don't want to do is have to tell them after you have had an episode of some sort related Uh. to your mental health issue. Because then that brings about a whole other, a different set of fears, meaning like, Let's say um, I'm going to use a a little more extreme one when I say schizophrenia. Most people who Mm -hmm, are schizophrenic, if they're taking their medication, they're pretty good. They hold down jobs. You know, uh, they they do everything that anybody who doesn't have schizophrenia does. But if they get off of their medication, and I'm speaking in a textbook symptom manner, Right, not the colloquial. (laughs) Right, right. They start having the hallucinations and the delusions and the paranoia. So if you're dating someone with schizophrenia and all of a sudden I'm the person that's dating the person with the schizophrenia and they start having these delusions, I don't know what to do. So then right. I start to panic. And if something happens where this person is harmed um, in any kind of way or they harm themselves or whatever it may be, or they might harm someone else because of the paranoia, then now I have all of this fear and this blame because I didn't know what to do. So this right. is not the best time to be having this conversation with me Right, now yeah. Oh, by the way. <laughs> yeah, oh, by the way. <laughs> yeah, know? as I'm this having this, conversation. whatever. Right, after right. I'm having this episode. This is something you can talk about beforehand. And some people use um, what I call the Oreo technique. Like, yeah, okay. Most people like the middle of the Oreo. Um, right. Or excuse, they like the cookie, and then you have the center. So... What you're going to do is make note of the good things. Like, hey, I really care about you, and that is why I am sharing this information with you. And it's difficult for me to share, but because I how I feel about you and I want this to work, this is why I'm sharing this information. And then you share the information. It's that simple. You don't make it – don't build up the anxiety – to tell someone that you have anxiety, if that makes sense. Right. You know. So, so I guess it's it's count, so it's not a set time thing. It's not like oh, in three weeks or in three days. Mm-mm, because uh, everybody, it's not a set time because everybody moves different in relationships. Right. Their time frame is different. It's about when you are when you get to a point where you say, okay, this might be moving into something serious. Yeah. This is something we need to talk about. I I would say. Probably the same time you're talking about credit scores or sexual history or things like that. Right. This is something right. that you need to talk about. When you're talking about medical issues, this is something you need to talk about. And the, the thing right. that you need to remember, though, is if you're at the point where you're having this conversation, guess what? The other person already likes you. Okay. They already mm-hmm. like you. So you have made right. your symptoms enough. For this person to like and possibly love you already. So this is just like, oh, yeah, hey, I have this issue. Let me talk to you about it. So that's that's moving into the next do and don't. You know, be honest about it. Don't sugarcoat it. Right. If you have. mm -hmm. I'm sorry, go ahead. You had a question? Well, well, no, I was going to interject, you know, and this is piggybacking on one of your past topics, rejection. Yeah. Now, okay, let's say you're sharing this. 
and, and this is just the goal. This the goal of, is preparing people. You know, you already touched on the subject, and ladies and gentlemen, I encourage you to go back to our podcast. But what about what about rejection? What if you, you know, what what if you get rejected um, after sharing this information? How, how will we handle that? Oh, that's a good question. So. I actually was going to touch on that in the next one, but we can go ahead and talk about it. Yeah, well, you okay. Know, You're, no, go ahead. Yeah, you, we'll, go, we'll follow your outline. <laughs> you know, it all kinds of, it's all kinds of wraps into it. So let's just say if this is the scenario, you tell them, you're very honest about yeah. it. You don't sugarcoat it. And what I mean by that is, for example, uh, depression looks different in different people. It looks different in women than it does men. It looks different in men than it does children. Um, mm-hmm. It looks different in someone who maybe doesn't have kids who might be dealing with depression after having a baby. So there are a lot of different things. So when I say be honest about it, be honest about your symptoms as it relates specifically to you. Um, Don't sugarcoat it because you don't want something to happen. And then later on they're like, oh, my goodness, I didn't realize it was that bad. So, for example, you're saying, oh, well, you know, sometimes I have a problem going to work. Okay. Right. Versus, there are days I literally can't get out of bed and get dressed or brush my teeth or wash mm. my hair, which then leads to me not being able to, like, so when I say be honest about it, don't over-exaggerate. Just be very honest about your symptoms. Don't sugarcoat it. And mm-hmm. in that process, use that time to educate someone. Now, this comes to the rejection part. Mm-hmm. When you're educating them, um, you know, this is what I'm doing to treat it. If you notice this happening, here are some things that you can do to assist me. If you have uh, time, like some people are depressed during winter months, right? They have seasonal depression. Okay, mm-hmm. in the winter this might be a little more issue, a little right. more difficult for me. And they, but they met you in the summer, you know, so they're not going to right. This. But guess what? Guess right. Like, okay. I see they met you in July, but November. Right. But come November, <laughs> I got I'm gonna be a different. I'm gonna be a little different. Right. <laughs> so let's say you feed them this information, and they decide, okay, this is not something I can deal with. Guess what? There are people who walk away from relationships because of people's credit scores. There are people who walk away right, from relationships right. because, oh, I don't necessarily date people who've been married before, or I don't date people who have X amount of children, or I don't date people who want children because I don't want children. It's no different. Do not take it personal. They are merely making a decision that, based on these things, that that is not something they're equipped to handle. And guess what? You don't need the person that can't be understanding of your condition, and that's totally fine. You know, again, it's... It falls in the same category as other things that have nothing to do with mental health. You know, some people don't date because, um, you know, whatever their preference is. Oh, I don't date, a lot of women say this, I don't date guys shorter than me. Okay, well, if that's your preference, it's fine. I'm not here to say whether it's right or wrong, but what I'm saying is it's just a choice. It's not personal. Right, so right. I, I like the way rejection, you... Actually, yeah, when you come to the rejection right. aspect, you know, don't it's not it's actually not even rejection. It's just a choice. Mhm. Right. It's a choice and it's no different than than uh choosing someone who is not at your level of of travel or not at your level of uh cleanliness or not at your level of financial responsibility. So you you you, you essentially take the you know, there's no hard feelings. Um, you know, you're a loss. You know, kind of approach, and and you keep moving. And you know, people get rejected every day. Uh, so that's good. Yeah. That's 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 excellent. Excellent. That's an excellent right. way to look at it. Right. Now, what I will encourage you is if you're on the receiving end of that information, because it's interesting you oh, talk yeah, about okay. the rejection piece. Now, you being the person to receive the information. You know, I encourage that person just to keep an open mind and hear the person out and actually listen to what it is they're telling you about their condition. And, you know, again, at this point, you probably already like the person. Right. Again, all relationships have issues. 
take it from the stance of, okay, at least I'm learning some information up front. Let me listen, really hear what this person is saying about it, and don't just jump and make a decision that, oh, I can't handle it. Because a lot of times people are making decisions about a mental health issue that they have maybe heard about or seen on TV, worst-case scenario. And when I say worst-case scenario, uh, when you have maybe people who have PTSD who have not been treated or maybe Mm -hmm. off of their medication or something has happened, and you see where they have gone and committed a crime or something like that. So then automatically the world is like, well, I can't date someone with PTSD because they might kill somebody. That's no that was one right. person. You don't know all their issues. You don't know what happened to lead up to that point. So don't generalize that to everyone. Listen to right. what that person has to tell you about their condition, what they're doing to treat it, if it's manageable, what you should do if they have certain things that happen, and see from there if you can do that. And if you really want to be involved in that person's life, again, at least you know up front what you're dealing with. <laughs> exactly. And, and I you like know, the way, and, you, like you're saying, there's different gradations of this. I mean, me as an oncologist, you know, you, you, a person may have cancer, but, it, you know, the issue is whether it's stage one, which is like the earliest stage, stage two, three, or four, you know, being the worst, being metastatic. So not all patients fall into the same category and I guess what you're saying is depending you know if a person has a diagnosis it just depends on how much of an effect that diagnosis has on that person there's different gradations if you will of this mental health issue is that correct that is very correct and that's how people need to view it um if you're if you had a friend that had and because you're an oncologist, this is definitely a great example. If you had a friend that you found uh, that you found out had cancer or what you know some le- level of cancer, would you just walk away? Right, it's the same right. Thing in a relationship, if you find out that this person deals with ADD or ADHD, sure, are you just gonna walk away? Uh, usually, if you find out someone has cancer. You you get educated about it, right? And you figure out what you need to do to assist this person, and you have the conversation with the person as well to see how best you can support them. It's the same way with a relationship; it's the exact same thing. So that kind of goes into my next point about educate yourself. This person is telling you. Generally, this person is going to again. We're talking about the person that is educated in treatment or has mm-hmm. gone through treatment is managing their medication right if it's necessary, and they're in a healthy place to have a relationship, right? So they're likely already educated, and they can educate you on how to help them and their specific symptoms. In that process, you can also do your own research and come back to them with your own Mm -hmm. questions. But you need to be patient in the process, too, because it's not always text. In a right. But there's not always going to be, oh, well, I get depressed every Tuesday, Friday, and Sunday. It's not okay. always like that. <laughs> you know? Right. It, it may be a little more, it may be mild on some occasions. It may be severe on some occasions. Regardless, this person should be able to educate you about it. Also, you should be doing some of your own education. For example, example uh, let's talk about alcoholics. Or drug users. Right, okay. They have support groups for the person who was doing drugs or drinking. They also have support groups for the families. Why? Because mm, the right. families need to know how to help the individual that is in recovery. They generally have support groups for everything. So it's not right. just limited yeah. to substance abuse or substance use. Get educated, find out what you need to do to be a support. For that person. Now, on the flip side of that, don't go overboard and think you right. have to fix that person. It's not your job to fix them. It's not your job to babysit them. Break out the toolbox. <laughs> right. No, that's not your job. That is that person's job 
with their primary care physician or their therapist or their psychiatrist or whomever it is that they're seeing. Now, you can assist based on what it is that they tell you they need. Go to the doctor's appointments with them. Find that was out. going to be my next question. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, yeah. you know, I, I guess that every situation is different. But I think if you found, like you said, you like somebody and you found that you love them and you've made this, I'm talking about the person on the receiving end, that you found that, hey, this is not going to be too much to handle. Or let's just say, hey, I want to understand this better so I can help you. Uh, yeah, I mean, is that, I was going to ask, was that a good idea to involve that person uh, or, or at least have them meet your health care provider? Yes, definitely. And I say this especially on the medication end because okay. there are times yeah. when if you get off your medication, sometimes you as the person taking the medication may or may not recognize your differences. So at least the person mm-hmm. that you're with or you're likely spending the most time with, if they start to notice something, they'll be able to ask, you know, pertinent questions like, hey, did you take your medication today? Um, is, do you, they can kind of start to delineate is this a side effect of medication or is something else going on? Like they're just educated enough to know, okay, is this something we can handle or is this something we need to go to the doctor for? Because if the person who's taking the medication is off their medication, they may not be able to make that decision. Right. And they may not right. recognize it until it's too late. But the person you're spending the most time with can kind of see it a little more quickly and then, you know, offer the support and help you figure out what it is that you need to do. So it doesn't – you don't want to be the person that's, oh, did you take your medication today or – you know, right. you know you don't Kinda need to be doing this and that. No, 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 no. <laughs> right. Yeah. You don't become the coach. You don't become the doctor. <laughs> you don't become the therapist. Right. You're still the um, the spouse or the significant other in the relationship. <laughs> right. So stay in that role yeah. just to be educated to support. Yeah. I, you know, you're right because – and then, I'm, I'm again, I'm correlating to, to my practice of medicine um, – you know, you mentioned about getting educated. Now, we know that there's a ton of stuff out here on the Internet. In fact, as you know, a lot of patients come in with either information or printed information that they found on, on whatever Internet. And I guess my question and, and comment is, while you're getting self-educated, you know, consider the source where you're getting it from. Don't, you yeah. know, Go by Miss Jackson down the street. I get this all the time in a, in, in oncology where, oh uh, well, Miss Jenkins had breast cancer, so you know, blah blah blah, and, and make that assumption. I guess my biggest point is, and question is, and get your comment on is, you know, about this comparison, and and also uh, be leery or be wary or as to where you're getting your information from when you venture to self-educate yourself. Exactly. So my uh, first go-to is always whoever the practitioner is, ask uh-huh. them about valid resources. Anytime right. you're dealing with mental health, there's usually the National Institute of Mental Health dot org. There's that, or there is uh, the American Psychological uh, Psychological Association, or the uh, you know there's an association or an institute for everything. Start there. If you're not sure about those, call a doctor's office, any doctor's office that's related to whatever the issue is that you're dealing with, ask them for the resources. Because as licensed professionals, they should know where to direct you to get information on the Internet that is valid. Right. But you're right. That's very key. Don't base it on what someone down the street said or my other friend. Again, every... Just like you know, everybody's cancer is different. Everybody's mental health. Just because you have cancer doesn't. Just because John has cancer doesn't mean it's the same type of cancer Jane has. Just because right. John reacts this That's way to true. cancer doesn't mean Jane reacts this way to cancer. Same thing. Jane and John mm-hmm. with depression look very different. <laughs> very different. So definitely just check out any like .org sites, any national institutes of whatever that is. Um, just like you have the American Cancer Society, uh, you also right. have things like the National Institute of Mental Health or the National Alliance of Mental Illness. Uh, like I said, American Psychology Association, those type of websites. 
go back to the practitioner. Ask them for the best resources on it. So that can be your start. And um, just make sure. I like that. Again. Yeah, you're not. You don't want. I, I like that because that that practitioner has already. They've already drilled down to what uh, what um, aspect of depression or schizophrenia that that this person has, and therefore now, yeah. like you said earlier, you can now curtail just like the curtailing or customizing treatment for that patient. You know, people with high blood pressure. Well, you if you interviewed a hundred people that's on. Uh, that has hypertension, you're going to find probably 10 different variations of the different drugs. Same thing with, I would assume, with with, with mental health. Uh, so if you start with that practitioner who knows this person that you like or, or are in love with or in a relationship with, now you get the information that's pertaining specifically to him or her. And you're not out there getting um, curbside information and sidewalk information from, you know, anybody and everybody. So I like that. I like right. that recommendation. Right, the drive-through information. <laughs> yeah. But last but not least, I do want to say this: when it comes to the do's and don'ts, and just to kind of bring all of everything that we've talked about together, once you right. know the symptoms of your partner, and vice, you know everybody's educated, and you're in a relationship. This doesn't curtail your relationship expectations. So, for example, okay. if you have this and I, I say list and I use it loosely. Of these are the things I want from a person in my relationship. Um, still look for those same things. So a mental illness does not mean that you need to forego your list. That's when you start becoming the fixer or the coach. No, no, no. You keep okay. your list. You still have the same relationship expectations. This goes for the person with the mental illness as well as the person who doesn't have the mental illness. And so, therefore, just because someone has a mental illness, they're not always the problem in the relationship. The other person can still be the issue in the relationship. Yeah, the non, the person time, with the non-issue. The person with the non-issue can still be the problem in the relationship. A lot of times people get in relationships with people with mental illness, and now, oh, well, we're going to blame everything on the person right. with it's, the mental oh, illness. Oh, yeah, I see. Right, right. Again, I, I, yeah, that's a great point, Dr. Newton, in the fact that, okay, so you know this other person has issues, but that does not mean that you, the non-mental health issue person, doesn't have an issue that could be complicating the problem. Exactly, that's, exactly. That's, okay, that's, something that, that's yeah, very so good once, to recognize. Right, so once you have the education, then you can right. You have the education. So you'll have this part over here like, okay, these are the mental health issues, but guess what? We still have problems managing finances. That ain't got nothing to do with right. your mental health. We still have problems right. with communication. That has nothing to do with your mental health. We have problems right. um, making time for one another to uh, do date night. That has nothing to do with the mental health. So that's the whole point of this conversation. Once you're educated, you can put this in this pot over here and say, okay, this is how we deal with this. And then that becomes autopilot, actually. Then you can get back mm-hmm. to your regular issues on relationships and start working on those. <laughs> right, right. Well, yeah. now, now, Dr. New, now, now we talked about this, con- like you said, this conversation is about people who are kind of stable. You know, they've, they've gone, they've been diagnosed and all of that. And we've got about two minutes left, but well, what about if you're, if you're just finding out you have a, a diagnosis or if you're just finding this out, should you should you venture into a relationship? Uh, you know, if you're not already anyone, uh, I mean, but I said if you're not already anyone, should you wait till you get everything settled? I would say judge your stability. Uh, make sure you're stable. These are conversations again you can have with your doctor, your therapist. Um, if if you're not seeing someone at your church, if that's who you're talking to, mm-hmm. talk to them about it. Um, you know when you're stable, and if you have a question, generally, when in doubt, don't. If you're not quite sure, make sure you're stable first and figure out what your stable is because your stable might not look like right. everybody else's stable, so don't oh, yeah. compare uh-huh. it. But figure out what your stable is and then make the decision from there. A lot of times you don't know till you try. Right, exactly. Great. Wow, yeah. that's some great information. This is great information, Dr. Newton. I mean, I, you, you kind of lighten me a little bit on how to handle this. 
as as always, it's it's, it's great having you on the show. Uh, you know, we got to have you back at some point, uh, as usual. But uh, this is good information, I think, uh, with the with the amount of people that's involved with mental illness or mental health issues. Uh, this kind of thing is uh, is very important and good information. I don't think we get all this. I, I really don't think that we're not educating the public on how to handle it. So I like what you said about, you know, going to the provider. I like what you said about uh, joining a support group, because there's a support group for everything now, and uh, look forward and, and self-educate. Exactly. So this is great. This is great. Well, um, that, that that's great. We'd love to have you back. And uh, it said, hey, is there any social media or contacts uh, that you'd like the audience to know about? Sure. Um, you can find me at Everything Lashana. That is my username, Everything Lashana, L-A-S-H-A-N-N-A, on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Um, you can also email me at EverythingLashana, L-L-C, at gmail.com. Again, I will respond to any um, messages you, if you reach out to me in that way. I'll try to get back to you as soon as possible. Wow, that is that is beautiful. That is great. Well, hey, thanks a lot. We hope to have you back, and uh, it's been indeed a pleasure. Always. Okay, well, ladies and gentlemen, guess what? That concludes another informative, exciting episode of the Weekly Wellness Show. Hey, if you missed any of it, Please don't hesitate to go to the podcast. And you know what? Again, if you think this information will help someone else, please share it. So, taking us out is a group of jazz artists collectively known as In Groove. Until next week, be happy, be healthy, and be kind.